Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. This is Internet Marketing. Welcome back to the show where we give you the lowdown, the inside information and the word from the experts to help you use the internet as part of your marketing machine. Internet marketing is brought to you by Academy Internet at www.academyinternet.com. In episode 37, we cover part two of our search engine optimization mini-series and specifically off-page optimization. Daniel Rouse of Academy Internet tells us about such things as online directories, inbound links, CMS systems and quality content, so stay tuned. Hello everyone, I'm with Daniel Rouse for part two of our SEO mini-series. But Dan... Um a few bits of news. A lot has been happening, hasn't it, in the last few, the last n weeks? As as normal, uh, Google have been doing lots of things to change the world. The most interesting thing they've done, which affects a lot of people that are using pay per click, the Google AdWords system. The rule used to be that you couldn't bid for other people's trade names. So, um, for example, you couldn't be Toshiba and bid for Sony and try and be number one for Sony because, you know, you didn't sell their products at the end of the day, so you couldn't do it. If you sold somebody's products, it was okay. And that was trying to make ads relevant and make sure that people weren't just trying to steal other people's trade names and kind of jump and bandwagon on that kind of thing. Google has now done a complete U-turn on this, and now you are allowed to bid for people's trade names. Which basically means that, you know, if you're Toshiba, you can be number one for Sony if you wish to be and you want to put the money into doing that. Now, for big brands, at the end of the day, they've got the marketing budgets to actually deal with this if they want to. There might be a little bit more competition for their trade names, but, you know, essentially they can deal with that. Who this actually affects more are mid-sized brands and small businesses who may be manufacturers, for example, who produce something and don't sell it indirectly. They only go directly to their customers. Other people can try and bid for that. As a search company, for example, we might find that our competitors, when you put in Academy Internet, uh, might have their company popping up as well. So it's going to have a lot of impact on people's budgets, and we're going to see more and more people taking advantage of this. So if you are doing pay-per-click campaigns, um, one thing I'd really recommend is putting your own name into Google and see who's coming up at the end of the day, because you might see you're coming at the bottom of your pile where, on the pay-per-click side of things when your business name goes in. So it's, it's, it's a U-turn from Google and everyone is saying, well, they're just making more money. It's interesting, actually, because we, we cover this also on the um, internet marketing 
sector-focused podcast. So this was ago you couldn't do this, mm. but now you are allowed to do this. Absolutely. Um, yeah, basically because of the relevancy rules that Google have, um, they you weren't allowed to do it. They just basically said, yeah, because it's it's making people appear for things they shouldn't be appearing for. And now they've decided, due to feedback, is what they've said that you're actually allowed to do it now. I think they should have consulted more with a lot of search companies before they did this just to see what the impact would be but at the end of the day it changes the market a little bit Um, it'll be more revenue for them and at the end of the day it'll be more revenue for a lot of the search companies because there'll be more terms to bid on but I'm not sure it's great for the customer at the end of the day because if you put in Sony for example again you want Sony to come up at the end of the day more often than not so it does very much depend on what you're looking for and it's going to be interesting to see people's reactions to this over the coming months but of course, it'll be interesting because um, I was about to ask the stupidest question in the world about pay-per-click. I was about to say, and what governs what order they appear in? Of course, it's how much you've bid. But I, w- I would have hoped that if you put in something like, uh, I don't know, Sony TCR 9432, mm. that uh, Sony would... <laughs> presumably would be very near the top. Yeah, I mean, there is a relevancy rating within Google Pay-Per-Click as well. It doesn't have a huge impact. I mean, the, how much you're bidding has a much, much higher impact. But at the end of the day, you, if, you, if you're putting in a big brand like Sony, you might want you know, suppliers to come up and that kind of thing, but you're probably not going to mind if there's an equivalent product from another manufacturer. So, I mean, from that kind of angle, it's okay. But it's, it's really for the more mid-sized brands who you know, don't sell their products or services through somebody else, um, and you're just getting the competition coming up. Now... That's probably a bit confusing as somebody that's searching because you're doing a very direct search for a company name. You might understand the marketplace, you might not, but it's 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 not a very clear picture of how good it's going to be for, for users at the end of the day. And that's what Google should be thinking about primarily. Now, you mentioned, you mentioned feedback there mm. from, from Amazon, and that is a wonderful segue, is it not? <laughs> you see, I am getting better at this, folks, <laughs> into some feedback we have received about the podcast. Enlighten us, Daniel. Absolutely. Well, what, we've had a couple of emails from people talking about the interviews that we were having at the um, the end of the podcast. And few people have been concerned they've kind of turned into plugs for those companies a little bit. Um, I don't think we've done that consciously, but these things tend to happen. Is that true, uh, Daniel Rowles of Academy Internet? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, we're allowed to plug ourselves, but it's outrageous. Anybody else should do so. At the end of the day, we want those interview sections to be very informative for the listener. So what we're going to look at doing is trying to get them a lot more focused and pick out some some different people doing it. I do think it's useful still to have people, kind of different people talking, so it avoids my monotone going on the whole time. Mm-hmm. But we will try and keep them a bit more focused. So as of the next uh, podcast, we're going to have a few different people starting to interviews and have something a bit more akin to a case study so you can see how people have used different technologies, how it's worked for them and how the whole thing's going. I think that's a very good idea. It's always a slightly tricky one, of course, because certainly my experience when I'm speaking to, um, you know, I find people up and I go, um, uh, would you like to be interviewed on the podcast? And you, you feel that you have to incentivize them. So I'm always tempted to say, of course, we can mention your company on the podcast. And that they usually immediately go, yeah, 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 okay. And then we discuss what we're going to talk about. Maybe we should do it the other way around. I think that, that's maybe it. I mean, I, I, we did a 30-second um, a stint on CNN. Um, a telephone interview that I managed to get pushed into CNN absolutely it was a technology focus and the person who was going to do it was pulled out so they obviously desperately scrabbled around and found my name from somewhere and I managed to say Academy Internet three times in 30 seconds on air and a live program so I was quite pleased with that so I do understand the reason people want to plug their own companies Um, but we're going to try and make them a bit more informative as well and just push that forward and the other thing we wanted to say was we're really 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 keen for people's feedback and we have quite a few people that feedback quite regularly we're really keen to hear from them again Um, and anybody even if you wouldn't normally feedback on this kind of thing tell us about any particular format you like 
like, you don't like, and also what kind of content you'd like covered. Because um, we're really happy to adjust the format to try and kind of keep everybody happy and, and make it a better show at the end of the day and keep evolving it. Darren, is it worth mentioning about the sort of offshoot podcast of this called, um, we're calling it very imaginatively, Internet Marketing Sector Focus. Do you want to have a quick chat about that? Yeah, um, something we're starting to do now is because we tend to work in particular sectors, um, so we gain experience over a period of time in those particular sectors. Now, we know lots of our listeners are in those particular sectors as well. So what we're going to do is a short series, just now one and now and again, um, on a particular sector. So we've done one on the recruitment sector. Um, we're probably going to look at one in publishing, probably one in travel, uh, and the various other sectors that we're working. The idea is just to look at all the techniques and methods that we currently talk about and apply them to a particular sector focus and explain the practicalities of working in that sector. And it should be particularly useful for people people working in that area and there's actually probably some stuff in that everyone else can you find useful as well so they're worth having a listen to um, even if it's not your particular sector i would imagine and what's the plan with those daniel i know that we've recorded one already but they're not publicly available they're going to be on a feed or just on the website what's the plan with these i think what we'll do with them is we'll actually put up a separate feed for the sector focus rather than pushing them out to people as part of this series because otherwise you're going to end up with a load more podcasts sitting on your ipod or wherever it may be that you don't actually want so we'll set up a separate feed and from the next podcast we'll give you the link for that feed and we'll put it up on the website as well Okay, brilliant. So that's something to look out for, folks. So that's Internet Marketing Sector Focus. New offshoot podcast coming out. Mm-hmm. Offshoot sounds a bit like a soap opera, doesn't it? Uh, an offshoot podcast from, from this one, which will be available, we think, probably next month um, as a feed, probably on iTunes. Okay, let's, let's move on now to the, to the main segment, um, SEO Part 2. And what are we going to be covering in today's little chat, Daniel? And at this point, it's probably worth me saying that uh, I've forgotten to mention that this is a dedicated podcast to SEO part two there will be no interview in today's podcast but Daniel has got plenty to say sorry Daniel what's the content today what we wanted to do the last episode we started talking about SEO kind of 101 and going back to the basics of search engine optimization the last section we talked about the on-page optimization so getting the right content in the right place on your pages what we want to talk about today is link building which is the other kind of key element of search engine optimization the whole thing with link building is that Google sees a link to your website as a vote of confidence. So the more quality links you have to your website, that's actually coming into your website, the better and the more you get pushed up in the Google rankings at the end of the day. Now, it's harder and harder to achieve decent links for Google because they're more and more focused on not allowing people to use paid links. So, for example, if you have an advertisement on another website and that links through to your site, Google probably now wouldn't count that as a link. Um, because they're very, very keen that links are there because of the quality. Now, to explain why that works, if you've got really decent quality content on your website, Google uh, will see that because lots of people are linking to it. And that's the kind of link they want. They want links that are because of good quality content. So that tells us a couple of things. First of all, if it's a reciprocal link, i.e. you link to me and I link to you, Google doesn't give that much weighting. That's interesting because wasn't there a little bit of a debate in the past about whether reciprocal links were good or bad? They're certainly not a bad thing because a lot of people will naturally link to each other because they have an association in mind. The thing is, though, that quite clearly I could find a thousand websites that weren't relevant and I could get them all to link to me and I could link to them because we both get something from it. So you could fiddle it at the end of the day. Um, and Google became very aware of that. And Google also is very aware of the fact that if you've got decent quality content, people will link to it irrelevant 
know, to the fact you've got a link back to them. Lots of people tried to get around this by having circular links. So you have 20 people in a row, each linking to each other's websites with finally the final person linking back to the first person. Everyone gets a link out of it. But apparently the work that Google has done, they've, they've broken links like that, link circles up to about 32 deep, if not deeper. So you basically won't get away with it. Um, if there's anyone you don't want to try and outsmart, it's a Google engineer at the end of the day, so I just wouldn't really bother. So what it comes down to is how do you get these good quality links and what strategy can you take to actually to do that? The first approach most people would do was go for directories, look at places where they can list their website. And it's always an easy first step. Google only looks at a very limited amount of these directories now because, again, there's probably 10,000, 100,000 directories out there that you could go and get yourself listed in if you wanted to. The Yahoo directory, still very useful, but it's a paid entry and you pay to be reviewed. You won't necessarily get listed. But to be honest, once you pay for the review, you generally do get listed. Uh, Demos, also a good place to get listed. It has much less of an impact on Google than it used to. So if you go to dmoz.org, um, get yourself listed in there. It's a free listing. can take some time to actually appear because it's human edited. And you'll also find, unfortunately, some of the editors of the sections will be some of your competitors. Because it tends to be that somebody early on said, yeah, I'll edit this section. And they, they've got control of it. So if you don't hear from them within a week or two, do chase up um, on getting your entry listed in there. There's lots of other directories that are actually very useful still, though. And these are very niche-focused directories. Now, for example, if you're in marketing, we run a website called marketingcommunity.net. And lots of businesses are listing themselves there because it's useful to the user to have marketing companies collected in one place. So when they're sourcing companies, they can actually find a good place to, you know, to, to find information about them. So those kind of niche directories and uh, niche community websites can be really useful. So there's lots of little social networks that have sprung up on niche topics that you can list yourself in that are relevant for your business. Good way of finding those, Dan? I think just Google things. I think if you Google what you do and directory or Google what you do followed by the word community or discussion forum and all those different things, and you're searching the way people will search, so it allows you to actually find the places people are looking. If something's coming quite high up in Google, it means generally it's going to be a fairly good place to get a, a link from. And what that takes me on to is uh, Google PageRank. And we mentioned this quite a few times in the past. Now, I've never understood how PageRank works. Uh, first of all, I mean, it, it's a number, isn't it? The higher the number, what does that mean? The lower the number, what does that mean? And, and how, does it, how does Google decide how to rank your page? Basically, it all comes down to links. Okay, So you get a score between 0 and 10. 0 being the worst, 10 being the best. Um, there are very few websites with a 10. Uh, the likes of the BBC website get a 9. But it gets exponentially harder to go from a 0 to a 10. Mm -hmm. And how it's basically valued is on the quantity and the quality of the links to your website. So if you had, for example, if you're the BBC website, they've got about 360,000 odd links to their site. And that gets them a page rank of 9. You could have 360,000 links, but if they're all from rubbish websites, you wouldn't have a page rank of 9. So it's quality and quantity. To get a page rank of 1, you only need a few links few decent quality links two three four you're probably talking tens or hundreds and then you start getting to the thousand marks after that all right so this page rank is nothing to do with keywords it's purely to do with the quality and number of inbound links yeah absolutely now there is some impact of how well optimized in terms of on page optimization the sites that are linking to you has on the overall page rank but essentially boiling it down um, and what we can you know be absolutely sure about it is quality and quantity of links if you want to see what your page rank is probably the easiest way of doing it if you go to google and search on the word toolbar 
the first thing you'll get up, surprisingly enough, is Google Toolbar. Uh, you install that piece of software, it takes a couple of minutes to do, and as you're installing, you can opt to have the uh, page rank turned on and off. So you turn the page rank on, um, and it gives you a score for every website you go to from then on. It gives you a little green bar and tells you what the score is between zero and 10. You want your page rank to go up, basically, but if you want to judge whether or not you should try and get a link from another website, the higher the page rank, the better. So a link from a PageRank 9 website is a hell of a lot better than a link from a PageRank 4 website. And people have got so smart to this. If you go to eBay and put in, for example, PageRank 5 link, you'll see people are selling links in eBay from high-rank websites. Um, I wouldn't advise that's a good approach to do. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Basically, because you want to get them for, for relevant reasons. So... That brings us back again to, okay, how am I going to get people linking to my website? Good quality content. Just before we go on to that, Dan, mm. what effect does having a large page rank have? Presumably it puts you near the top of Google when people are searching for specific phrases. Yeah, I mean, basically, if you've got um, a really well-optimized site in terms of you've got all the relevant content in the relevant places, and then you get high page rank because you've got lots of inbound links, those are the two fundamentals to getting you to the top of Google. So if you ended up with a page rank of nine, which is highly unlikely because very few people achieve it. But if you've got a page rank of nine and you had a well-optimized site, you would be achieving near the top of Google for those terms you'd optimize for at the end of the day. Um, SEO isn't rocket science. It boils down to on-page optimization and link building at the end of the day. And the link building is actually the hardest bit because you're having to create quality content to make people want to link to your site. Um, and there aren't really any shortcuts. Okay, so you can start off by getting yourself listed in some directories. You can then go and seek out partnerships with other companies. What other businesses or individuals would want to link to your website and what reason? You might get some reciprocal links. You might actually just get some inbound links. For example, if you go to a company and say, look, we'll give a 10% discount to your members or the people from your company if you give us a link. So you're incentivizing them to give you a link, which essentially is kind of against the, the guidelines that Google wants to lay down. So it's not, it's not really a, a great way of doing it. The best way of doing it is to write content, white papers, guides, how-tos, blog entries, anything that people want to read that's useful. 
Um, and that way people will say, look, this was really useful to me. Have a look at this and they'll link to it. Um, quite often it will get mentioned in discussion forums if you write really useful content. Um, some of the most popular blog entries are ones that solve problems because people love them and they say, well, I had this problem as well and mm. they link through to it. Yeah. So think about what content you can create and get it up there, but then you may need to make people aware of it. So for example, if you write a white, white paper or a guide to uh, top 10 tips for optimizing your website. Okay, so you write this white paper, you put it on your website. If people don't know it's there, they're not gonna link to it. So then you need to go, where are your target audience gonna be hanging out on the web? What blogs do they read? What discussion forums do they talk in? What news digest do they read? And you want to get some information up there and try and mention, look, we've written this white paper that solves this problem. Come and have a look at it. Um, have a look where people are asking the question that it answers and just get people to kind of look, point out where it is. Um, if you're a private or you know commercial company, don't plug yourself hard in discussion forums and places like that because it doesn't go down well at all. Um, you need to engage with the conversation at the end of the day. Work out what people are talking out. If there's a specific question, you can answer it. Great. But don't just suddenly pipe up in the middle of a conversation and say, look, we've written a white paper, aren't we great? It's really about engaging with the communities of people online. And this comes back to all the social media stuff that we've talked about in the past. So getting this quality content up there is important. Now, the, the mistake a lot of people make is that they're business, for example, um, one that we come across all the time, B&B owners, small business owners, they want to get people coming to their website. So they want people to link to their website. If all you do on your website is talk about your business and how great it is, there's no real reason for people to come there unless they're looking for your business. Now, what you need to do is think about the other content you could create that could be useful for people. So in the case of a B&B owner, you would think about things like, uh, what do people do when they come and stay there? Mm -hmm. They might go walking, they might go cycling, they might go shopping in the local area, they might be visiting local businesses. You write guides to all those things, mm -hmm. guides to local walks, guides to uh, cycle routes, uh, local kind of places to visit, things to do with kids when you're in the area. And all those things are really useful to people when they're researching. So they'll point out and that'll get linked to. That'll get linked to for guides for the area and so on and so forth. And those are the kind of things that can be really useful to the reader. They'll create good link equity, i.e. people want to link to it. And it's called link baiting quite often as well, which sounds like a bit of a, a fiddle. But link baiting is basically about creating things that people want to link to. Mm -hmm. And there's lots of ways of writing things that you know look like they're interesting and people want to link to them and you're fiddling it. But don't do that. The, the approach should be create quality content and it will have a big impact on your, the amount of people linking to you. You mentioned um, earlier about writing blogs mm. or blog or posts that uh, solve problems. And I've got first-hand experience of that because mm. one of my most frequently visited posts is one where I discuss a problem with, uh, with audacity. I've actually got a question about that, Daniel. What would happen, because I've got a new blog now, what would okay. happen if I moved that from my old blog to my new blog? Would Google say, oh, that's a duplicate. I'm going to sort of penalise him for that. Um, there's a couple of things there that, that kind of affect SEO. First of all, if you're moving from one domain to another, um, on one website to another, you need a bit of a plan in place to make sure that you don't lose all the good kind of inbound links you got for the first website. So generally what you want to do is for the whole domain, you want to, in the long term, do a 301 redirect. That basically says this domain is now this one, that's it forever, and it doesn't confuse Google. Google is happy about that. And after a period of time, Google will realise the two things are the same. Does 301 actually mean um, a permanent move? Yeah, it's a permanent redirect. Um, just like when you get a, a page, you can't find the page of 404, it's just the HTTP uh, code that gets sent through to your browser at the end of the day. Um, so generally, you want to set it up either on your server or with your hosting company to do the redirect. Um, if you do have content on one website that's again on another, 
other it will be seen as duplicate content at the end of the day which isn't ideal because it reduces the value of that content in Google's eyes at the end of the day so the best way to do it is to once you got a new website up point the old website at that one um, any pages that were ranking well for the old website you want equivalent names on the new website and the same paths presumably yeah. I mean in an ideal world you want exactly the same paths one of the big mistakes people make is they redevelop their website it's on the same domain still but all the uh, names of the files have changed so therefore Google comes along and goes well it doesn't exist anymore and you get all your kind of SEO written off all the work you've done and you're not starting from scratch but you are starting from a, a lot further down the field than you would have been otherwise so transitioning websites is a, is a fiddly subject the, the bottom line is you will generally always see a bit of a dip and then it, the, the work you do will basically t- determine how long that dip lasts for at the end of the day. Um, there's no ideal scenario for changing one website totally to another and not seeing any dip. Um, if it's just changes to the styling, if you've got a really well-built, standards-compliant website that relies on CSS, that doesn't really have any impact because Google doesn't really care what your website looks like. It just wants the content. So that's the best approach. Um, but you need to make sure the same pages exist, the structures exist, uh, the inbound links still work to all these places as well. Interesting. So let's move on, Daniel. So we've talked about how to get some of these inbound links. What's next? I think what people really need to make sure that they have the structure in their website to actually hold this content at the end of the day. And th- th- this is why SEO becomes a much bigger subject when you're looking at site structure and so on and so forth. Um, if you've got a website structure that is there fundamentally as a brochure for your business and maybe ordering online, that may not be enough for an SEO structure. You might need a section that allows you to publish white papers and all this kind of content as well. So sometimes you do need to look at your site structure a little bit as well. Any recommended uh, content management systems that you've worked with, Daniel? There's a few open source ones. We, we tend to use Joomla at the moment, um, which is great, but it has its ups and downs, just like any content management systems. Um, Drupal is quite popular at the moment as well. Um, we're also finding that WordPress, the blogging software, is actually, as it's grown, has become more and more useful for actually as a whole content management system because you can create static pages, you can create editable pages, you can edit the content. There's so many plugins for WordPress now that it functions as a content management system. I mean, it's not what it's designed for fundamentally, but you can use it as that, and more and more people are. So I'd recommend if you're doing a fairly basic site, um, WordPress is the way to go, definitely, because it's nice and easy. Joomla's great, but there's quite a a steep learning curve with Joomla. It's not an easy system to use. And Drupal is getting more and more support, and that's one of the good things about Joomla. There's lots of plugins for it. So Drupal is good, and it's becoming better because there's lots of uh, plugins coming along for it. I'm sure there's some people out there who've got other opinions on CMSs as well, and I'm more than happy to kind of plug some others if people have got some feedback on what they're finding useful and easy to use because it's a big subject, and it's... uh, it's a, a very um, difficult one unless you've got a lot of experience of each of them to, to give that much feedback on them. And do these CMS systems tend to be uh, generically quite well organised for SEO? Um, the older versions, the originals were terrible. Um, the early versions of most of these were pretty terrible. WordPress is great now because there's all kinds of plugins and mod rewrites and things that you can do to make it work for an SEO point of view. Um, Joomla in its latest kind of uh, builds is pretty good now. There's some plugins and some modifications you can do, but you do need to do some work on it. Some of the other open source ones that are less supported are pretty terrible for supporting SEO. The uh, URL structure isn't great. The way the pages are formatted quite often has a lot of JavaScript and junk code that you don't need. So 
one thing to be aware of if you are going down the content management system route have a look at what impact it has on your SEO because it can be quite negative if you're not careful and you go from a fairly static website that was great for SEO to a content management website that's easy to manage but no one turns up because it's not listed in the search engines anymore so it can be a problem so just going back to the the final little part I would say about link building look at directories look at partnerships that you can get Get yourself uh, some link bait, so create some good quality content that's coming in there as well. Um, look at seeing what your page rank is and judging you know, how, how you're uh, appearing in terms of your competitors. The other thing to look at is the link operator in Google. So if you put in the word link colon and your website address, you will see all of the websites that Google is counting as linking to you. Okay, we mentioned this before, but it's quite a useful little thing to do. So you can see who's linking to you, but you can also see who's linking to your competitors by doing the same thing. Link colon your competitor's website address. And remember, this isn't in the URL address window in your browser. This is in the search box in Google. Yeah, absolutely. You put that in and you can see what your competitor, who's linking to your competitors at the end of the day. Now, you might know that you've got 2,000 links to your website, but what you'll find is that Google's only listing 100 of them. Now, Google has a black art of deciding what it thinks is a relevant link and what it doesn't. But what's really important, if you do that for the BBC, you'll see they've got 360-odd thousand links. Well, that was last count last time I looked at it anyway. You'll see that most of those links are from BBC websites. So a really important thing to realise is that internal links have a big impact. So you need to make sure you're linking from one page to another in the copy not just in the menus, but actually from the copy. If you're talking about uh, a particular subject and it refers to another page, link from that word. Mm. Make sure the words that you're using to link aren't click here or read more. It's the actual words themselves that you're referring to. Presumably, one of the key phrases that you've selected for that page would be good as the text on the link. Yeah, I mean, for that page itself, but also for the page that you're linking to, it gives the relevance to the page you're linking to as well, because Google then knows that link is about a particular topic. All of this stuff, you may feel like you're working in the dark a little bit as to whether or not Google is understanding what you're doing. A really good thing to do is if you go to Google and search for webmaster tools, um, there is a Google tool you can use. You basically put a, you create a page on your website so Google knows you own that website, and it then gives you access to Google webmaster tools. And what it will do, it will give you a list of the terms that it thinks your website is about. So that's basically saying, is your on-page optimization correct? And it will give you a list of terms that your links are about. And that will tell you, is your link building strategy working? So by looking at those two lists, you can basically work out if Google is getting the right idea about your website. Okay? If both those lists are correct, you need to keep on doing more of the same. Okay. If those lists aren't correct, one will basically say you need to do more on your on-site optimization so Google understands the relevance of your website. And the other one will say you need to get more quality links on the right topics, basically. So it's a good viewpoint on what, yeah. what Google's actually thinking. So have a look at Webmaster Tools. There's a load of reports in there, and one of them actually just shows you what web Google thinks your website's all about. And that's a good kind of judgment as you go on to look at what's going on. Daniel, in your expert opinion, uh, all your years of um, SEO experience, if someone said to you, Daniel, give me three quick top tips for SEO in today's climate, what would they be? The on-page optimization stuff would literally get your page titles right. Uh, it's just the most fundamental thing that lots of people get wrong. So make sure that your relevant search terms are in there. And that brings us to number two, really, because it should be number one, to be honest, is get the right keywords in there in the first place. Mm -hmm. um, so many people make assumptions about what people are searching for, and it turns out not to be true. So get your keywords right, get your page titles right, 
and then that follows on to the other page optimization stuff and then really just aim for a couple of good quality links so write some content that's a really good quality and just get three or four links in and it'll have a massive impact so it is really coming back to basics don't try and do too many clever things boil it down to the basics the right words on the right place in the page and good quality content to people linking to it well that's absolutely fantastic is there anything further you wish to say on this topic um Search optimization we could talk about forever, and I'm sure we'll come on to more advanced topics in the future. So I think what we'll do is we, we many, many moons ago when we did the early episodes, we did an SEO um, kind of episode. We've covered it off the basics again now. I think what we're going to need to do is do an advanced episode, and we'll do that probably in two or three uh, podcasts' time. And, of course, expect some more interviews to be coming up in the near future. So uh, until then, it's goodbye from me, Andy White, and it's goodbye from Daniel. Daniel, thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Andy. Well, that's it for this week's show. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed it. Now, we would like to hear from you, so if you have any questions or comments that you'd like featured on the show, please do send them to info at academyinternet.com. Do feel free to send in MP3 files if you'd like to um, leave an audio comment, and we'll play them. And if you're a subscriber, then we'd like to thank you for your valuable time. If you haven't subscribed yet and you'd like this podcast to be delivered to your earbuds automatically, you can find Internet Marketing on iTunes or at the academyinternet.com website and follow the subscription buttons. We'd also love to receive comments via iTunes and the podcast directories. So this is Andy White signing off and we'll see you next time on Internet Marketing. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.